Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Thank you for joining us. I'm Tara Mergener in for David Brody, who will be with you next week again. We begin today with day two of Derek Chauvin's murder trial. The 45-year-old has pleaded not guilty to second-degree unintentional murder, third-degree murder, and second-degree manslaughter charges in the death of George Floyd. Floyd was last year in Minneapolis while being arrested for allegedly using a counterfeit bill. Let's get right to Joe Weber, senior writer here at Just the News. Joe, bring us up to speed. A lot, you know, going on here, a lot at stake. This is day two. Uh, thanks. Uh, what we saw today was the return of Ron Williams, the first uh, witness to testify. Uh, he was essentially a uh, prosecution witness. He was really the first on the scene once the police arrived. He's a former mixed martial arts expert, former college and high school wrestler. Uh, he did very well in the opening um, testimony for the defense, but when up against the prosecution today, uh, they picked apart a little bit of his testimony. They really tried to get to the fact that uh, he was agitated. Uh, 13 times he called the police bums. Uh, one, a couple times he used a little more colorful language, adjectives before that. He also sort of picked apart this idea that uh, he made some false assumptions, particularly one when he saw blood on Floyd's mouth. George Floyd, um, he assumed that it had happened during the arrest, but he already had, had blood on his mouth when he was in the police car. So again, made some false assumptions. When they started to challenge him on what he said and what he assumed, he got a little got rattled, it. got angry. And I think that's exactly what the uh, defense wanted to do. And uh, now one last thing. Yeah, the the young woman, the 17-year-old who had the video, the viral video, she was the first one. She testified. They did not show her face or mention her name, but it was clear who she was. Uh, She did well, very poised for a 17-year-old woman. Uh, The the prosecution did well there. The defense, I mean, but when the prosecution got to her, far more sympathetic and kid gloves with her, as you would imagine. Joe, we're out of time. Thank you so much uh, for that analysis. We'll see you later in the show. Really appreciate that. Okay, now, meantime, some teachers from San Diego are teaching migrant children in person before their own students. Students in the San Diego Unified School District are currently learning in an online format only and expected to move a hybrid model next year. The move has outraged many parents who've been waiting for more than a year now for their kids to be allowed back into the classroom. Migrant children now in person receiving that instruction include some of the 500 who arrived in the city from Texas and Arizona over the weekend. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo is facing new sexual harassment allegations now, this time from a woman who claims the governor kissed her without consent 
and in front of her family. 55-year-old Sherry Ville says it happened when he came to her home to assess flood damage in 2017. There are at least eight women, in addition to Ville, who are accusing Cuomo of sexual harassment or inappropriate behavior. At this point, she is not pressing charges, but she does want to tell her story to investigators. Well, on day one of Derek Chauvin's murder trial, his defense claimed he did exactly what he was trained to do. To provide some analysis, joining us now is former NYPD Police Commissioner Bernie Carrick. Bernie, do you agree with that assessment by the defense? Well, Tara, I think there's a couple of things you have to look at. First and foremost, what was the department policy on use of force, uh, defensive tactics, affecting an arrest? Um, then you're going to have to look at the laws of the state of, of Minnesota. Um, and then you're going to have to look at what the officers did. Um, and, and that evidence will come out. But I think I think people lose sight of one thing. At the end of the day, the real determination of guilt is going to be what killed George Floyd. Did Chauvin's you know, knee on his neck kill him? Did his body weight on the back of his uh, on the on his back kill him? Did he die of a heart attack, a drug ingestion? What really killed him? What what did the forensics show? That's going to be the determining factor of Chauvin's guilt or not guilty. You know, a lot of people do want a murder conviction in this case. But from your point of view as a former police commissioner, what is also at stake for other police in this trial? Well, look, uh, you know, you have to look at what this uh, this case, this investigation, this arrest has done for the entire police community across the country. The aftermath of George Floyd's death, the arrest, the riots, the damage, the devastation, the city destruction, the attacks on cops. This stuff went on for six months, eight months last year. And, um, you know, this case, I'm sure, well, no matter what the outcome, uh, you know, people are either going to be happy uh, and, and satisfied or they're not. The unfortunate thing is the, uh, you know, Black Lives Matter in Antifa, no matter what, the, what the, no matter what the outcome to me, I personally think they'll be out there attacking, rioting and doing all the things they did last year. So this is something that the police environment has to be prepared for and uh, and be ready for when the case is over. How is all this scrutiny against police over the last year or so, how is that affecting, do you think, officers in the ranks? It's become very difficult to do their job. Are they kind of second guessing themselves as they go out into the community and, and try to enforce the law? Well, I don't think they second guess themselves. I think they're being second guessed by a bunch of people that have no idea what their job is. They don't have the courage to do their job. They're being second guessed by city councils and mayors. You know, uh, you know, the defunding the police, uh, you know, movement uh, emanated out of the uh, out of the George Floyd incident. Uh, you know, that's the stuff that's happening around the country. The police know their job. They're well-trained. They go out and do a job that nobody else has the courage to do. And then they're second-guessed at every minute, every second they're out there. Um, you know, I don't think they're being, they're second-guessing their, themselves, but I do think they're being second-guessed by their leadership, by their mayors, by their governors, and, uh, and they're not being supported in many cases. Do you think people really understand what defunding the police actually means? What, what impact would that have on communities if, if, you know, obviously there weren't anybody to enforce the laws? Do they think people you know get what? that? 
you know what's funny, Tara? It, uh, you know, it started in Minneapolis, right? They defunded. They voted to defund. Um, it, it went to L.A. It went to New York City. And already, Minneapolis has had to refund uh, their department to get cops back on the job because of the major spikes in crime and murder. Los Angeles just had to do the same thing. All these other departments that have voted to defund, you eliminate manpower, training, resources. You eliminate everything in, in the department that is responsible for reducing crime, saving lives. Well, if you eliminate that, that's going to change. You're going to see increases in violent crime, shootings, murder, and decreases in economic uh, income, in real estate values, in tourism. So I, I think city councils and the mayors have to make a decision. Do we want what's good for the community or what's bad? And if we want what's good, we're going to have to refund those departments and get the cops back on duty. You know, I'd like to touch on the uh, immigration situation as well. I just got back myself from the Texas-Mexico border, and I heard law enforcement and different agencies saying over and over there are some really bad people getting through. Your thoughts on that, particularly with the drug cartels? Well, you have MS-13. A, a number of them were just arrested. You have about 10 to 15 percent of the people coming across the, the southwest border that's not coming from Central America, South America, Mexico. They're coming from other countries, and nobody knows better than I do in the aftermath of 9-11 what, what happens in this country when bad people get into this country that wants the demise of this country. So I, I think this is a major national security issue. I think there has to be more transparency. I think the Senate and the Congress, uh, the House, they have to do a better job of stopping this from happening. And I think the president has to, has to do his job, protect America first, stop the influx at the borders, and, uh, and, and prevent this national security uh, chaos uh, that's coming out of this. Do you think President Trump had it right? Yeah, of course he had it right. He absolutely had it right. I mean, none of this stuff was going on until 60 days ago. None of it. None of this was happening. It was the borders were secure. Everything was running smoothly. The wall was going up. The outside countries knew don't send your people in here. And all of a sudden, listen, all you have to do, ask some of the people coming into the country, would you have come under Donald Trump's administration? They will tell you, no, I wasn't coming. I only came because Biden opened the door. All right, Bernie, interesting situation going on. All eyes on what happens uh, with the fallout here and, and how this gets under control. Uh, some Biden administration still not calling this a crisis, but a challenge. Thank you so much, Bernie Carrick, former NYDP, NYPD police commissioner. Thank you so much for being with us. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. 
President Trump continuing to make headlines, once again issuing this statement, quote, based on their interviews, talking about Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks. The president says, based on their interviews, I felt it was time to speak up about Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks to self-promoters trying to reinvent history to cover for their bad instincts and faulty recommendations, which I fortunately almost always overturned. They had bad policy decisions that would have left our country open to China and others closed to reopening our economy and years away for an approved vaccine, putting millions of lives at risk, obviously slamming them both there, not only them, but other disease is experts as well, accusing them of trying to again reinvent history while talking about their roles in the pandemic during TV interviews. With us now, David Bossy, president of Citizens United and President Trump's former deputy campaign manager. David, great to see you. He says they're self-promoters. What do you think? I think the president's right on target with this statement. You know, Dr. Burks uh, and Dr. Fauci are fighting for relevancy. They have the American people have seen them for being wrong on virtually everything. Uh, and what they do is they go on TV to try and make it about themselves and how they're the heroes. And that's not what people in those positions should be doing. They were wrong on masks at the beginning they were wrong on china they were wrong on closing down america's businesses and they were wrong on closing schools they have been wrong on every major uh policy initiative that has stemmed from covid uh and and let's just go back to masks for a second the first dr fauci was well known on television saying we don't need masks for many weeks and months uh and now all of a sudden he changes to masks are mandated then we have we got to close down businesses. Then we have to say you have to wear two masks. One mask isn't enough. You have to wear two masks. Uh, it, it is it is um, this is one of the reasons why the president puts out a statement like this is to make sure that these bureaucrats that, who are trying desperately to cling to the relevancy that that they really are losing that luster. I think that he wants to make sure the record is very very clear. If, if, if it wasn't for him, 90% of Americans wouldn't be eligible for the vaccine, of American adults wouldn't be eligible for the vaccine before April 19th. Thank you, President Trump had nothing to do with Joe Biden or anyone else. And, and, and look, getting 200 million vaccines in arms, thank you, Operation Warp Speed, and thank you, President Trump and Vice President Pence. Those are the people who made this happen. Joe Biden is the is the beneficiary of what Donald Trump and his administration has done. No more, no less. I know they want to take all the credit and say they were uh, you know, given a disaster. No, they were given a vaccine. They were given a vaccine that was already being distributed. And, and look, their incompetence is covered by the fact that the American people feel very good about getting the vaccine. That is the responsibility of President Trump. You know, during President Biden's speech yesterday, he's asking governors to reinstate mask mandates where they have been lifted. One, do you think they're going to do it like Governor Abbott, perhaps? Or, you know, and the other thing, too, is he used words like impending doom. Is that helpful? Well, certainly not. And I can I can just speak from the record that I've seen. Uh, Governor Abbott removed the mask mandate and every day for the last two to three weeks, I believe, uh, the numbers of COVID cases after the mask mandate was lifted have gone down in Texas. There's no way that any governor who wants to get reelected is going to go back 
to these draconian measures that don't have the backing of science. And that's what these left wing, you know, really out there folks are demanding, must follow the science, must follow science. And then as soon as the science doesn't match up with their ideology, their left wing ideology, they say, oh, no, we, we have to go back to masks because it's the right thing. No, no governor should do that. And, and look, you look at Christy Nome as an example, never had a mask mandate. And she leads her state by, uh, you know, just an incredible uh, position of strength and leadership there. Ron DeSantis got rid of, uh, of most of it early on in Florida or as early as he could. And Florida is now thriving. People are leaving all over the country from California and New York to go to Florida. So the, the, some of these governors are doing a tremendous job and it's they're doing the exact opposite of what Fauci and Biden are demanding that the American people succumb to. It's just, it's, it's ridiculous. Talk to me about the vaccine passports. Uh, there, there seems to be growing concern, not just among uh, Republican politicians, but, you know, as I hear the general scuttlebutt in general, a lot of, you know, friends, colleagues, there's a lot of talk about this. And what does this really mean? Because the concern is it could kind of force people to take the vaccine because maybe they can't get anywhere if they don't. Yeah, this is a dangerous, uh, slippery slope for America. Uh, we don't have papers that people must carry on them uh, to show proof of anything in this country. We have freedom and we have liberty. Uh, we have the Constitution. And I would believe uh, that if the government, the federal government, tries to mandate this, you will see states' attorneys general band together to sue the federal government immediately uh, to stay that order and then fight it and win it in court, uh, it, it, all the way to the United States Supreme Court. We don't have police officers say, papers, please. It's just, it, it brings back the notion of very dark times in the world, and we don't ever want to go there. People should be able to get the vaccine, okay? I've already had COVID, uh, and I will get, uh, uh, you know, my shot when my time comes, when it's eligible for me to receive it, I will go get it. I, I, I have no problem doing that. I think it's a a proper and the right thing to do. But people should be able to choose whether they get it or not and when they get it. Um, I didn't want to get COVID, but I did. And I got a mild case, thankfully, and I was able to recover in a month or so. But it, not everybody has that same luck. We take this, this is a very serious disease, uh, and it is, and people need to take it seriously. And I'm not trying to say people shouldn't get vaccinated. But to jump from people should get vaccinated and we should in enthusiastically try to get people to get vaccinated is different than your papers, please. That we are crossing a Rubicon that I never thought we would be discussing here in America. When Donald Trump said during the campaign, I will never let America become a socialist nation. This yeah. is what he was talking about. Certainly all eyes on this. Definitely a lot of scuttlebutt on this and a lot of people will be debating this certainly in the days to come. Thank you, David Bossie, president of Citizens United. Have a great day. Thanks for having me. All right. When we come back, Myra Flores, congressional candidate, Democrat turned Republican. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. 
And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Well, the Rio Grande Valley, as you've been hearing, is the epicenter of illegal immigration in this country. More people come into the U.S. with the help of smugglers here than anywhere in the United States. Myra Flores, a former Democrat who voted for Obama, has become one of the most vocal critics of Joe Biden's immigration policies in the Rio Grande Valley. She is running now as a Republican for Congress. Myra, you have a very interesting perspective on this, including the fact that your husband is a Border Patrol agent. What is it? We had a lot of time to chat last week. What is it that bothers you so much about what you see happening there? And are the majority of those who come here illegally really being sent back as Joe Biden says they are? No, unfortunately, it's not true. They're not being sent back. They're actually staying here. And that's the problem that uh, we have right now. It's a real border crisis. In the Donna facility right now, we have over 5,000 people there. It's supposed to have no more than 250, and we have over 5,000. It's a real border crisis that they have created. This is all on the Democrat Party and uh, the Biden administration. He created this crisis. Do you see a difference there now, living there, you're from there, um, you know, for a very long time you've lived there. Do you see a difference of what's going on between President Trump's policies and since the switch was made after Inauguration Day in 2021? Absolutely. I've never seen this before, not even uh, during the Obama's administration. Now, There's a lot of things that happened during the Obama administration I didn't agree, but this is something we've never seen in South Texas. We've never seen thousands and thousands and thousands of people coming in and being encouraged to come in. You know, the Biden administration is saying, don't come, but if you do, you get to stay. Pretty much that's the message. And his policies are creating people to make this dangerous, dangerous journey. You have thousands of children coming in without uh, their parents, you know, and that is causing, like I said, a real border crisis that I've never seen before here in South Texas. And our Border Patrol agents have never seen nothing like this as well. And I know that uh, I'm a Border Patrol wife. I know the the struggle. My my husband is very private. He doesn't bring his job home. You know, he doesn't want to worry me. He doesn't want to worry the kids. But at the same time, I know exactly what's happening. He doesn't have to tell me. I, I see it every day. And that's why you decided to run for Congress. You know, do you really think with a Democratic president, Democratic Congress, do you really think that a difference can be made? A lot of conservatives and Republicans are feeling pretty frustrated right now because, you know, people don't know if they don't agree with these policies. What can they really do? The midterms are two years away. Your thoughts? Well, we saw a huge uh, impact in the Republican Party here in South Texas in 2020. Uh, We did uh, flip dark blue districts to, uh, not districts, I'm sorry, counties to red. So we saw a momentum. We saw uh, more people voting uh, Republican. We saw 20 point difference compared to uh, previous years. So no, this momentum isn't stopping Like I said before, and like I told you a few days ago, South Texas by nature is conservative. 
We just need to get the message out there to more people. And that's what we have been doing. And we'll continue doing that. Uh, get the message that the Republican Party is the conservative party, the only conservative party and the party that will bring economic prosperity to South Texas. We need it. Like I, like I told you, we have one of the highest poverty rates in, uh, in South Texas throughout the United States states and we also have a high unemployment rate as well and i want to bring prosperity here uh, in south texas and the people here in south texas are always very very giving they're always thinking about the well-being of others and i've been talking to the community and i've been telling them for once we have to put south texas first we have to put our district first our children's future uh, our children's needs our family's needs we have to put ourselves first to be able to help other people um, outside um, our country you're definitely seeing the impact in the Rio Grande Valley, among other things. We've talked about this earlier in the show as well. There was still right. a, pa a pandemic going on. And we do know for a fact that COVID, many of yes. them, people testing positive for COVID, the migrants, we've seen them being dropped off at local hotels. How much concern is there in the Rio Grande Valley? Not And, and even beyond that, they are leaving very mm -hmm. quickly after going to those hotels. Do the people in the Rio Grande Valley feel very concerned that this is passing through very. their community? Tell me about that. Yes, we're very concerned. The Bronzeville area, not too long ago, 200 people were released COVID positive. There's nothing we can do to stop them. We advise them to stay at a hotel, but nothing. there's nothing forcing them to do it. Some will stay at a hotel which taxpayers are paying that, but some just wanna leave and they get to do that. They get to leave exposing more people in the bus, in the airport as well. Right, do you think people who have not seen this firsthand really understand the magnitude of what's going on down there. I, I've seen it myself a number of times from 2018 and to now. And, and every time I go, I, I come back and I talk to people, but I just feel like unless you've actually seen it for yourself and you've seen the constantness of the stream into the United States, I, I'm not sure people really understand. Do you think, do you think they do? No, they don't understand. Like you said, they have to come down here to South Texas so they're able to understand. Um, I don't understand how Biden administration is not here. I don't understand how Biden is not here, how the vice president is not here so they can see for themselves the real crisis we have. You know, we're being ignored. They just don't care what we're going through what our Border Patrol agents are going through, what our Border Patrol families are going through. You know, it's just they really do owe an apology to South Texas. In one word, Myra, running out of time, Border Patrol, you hear, you know, a little bit about it, at least from your husband. In one word, what is the morale among the Border Patrol? I've never seen anything like that. Never seen anything like that. He, like I said, he doesn't talk a lot about it, but I can tell in his attitude and also just in his character. And I have also family that are in um, Border Patrol. I have big law enforcement family and I've never seen them so down. Very you know, difficult. they're there to, very yeah. difficult. They're there to enforce the law and they're not able to. All right, Myra, thank you so much for joining thank us. You. All the best to you. We'll see you next.
Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. There is a new grassroots women's movement on the road right now with a message to other women Preserve the nation for your children. Chrissy Hutcherson is a mother of twins and a businesswoman, and she is out there trying to reach women and evangelicals. Christy Hutcherson is here now. Christy, I met you along the border last week where we were chatting with Border Patrol, and they were trying to get us to stay back. I will say you are a force to be reckoned with. Hi, thank you so much, Tara. <laughs> You are going all over the country. Again, your target primarily women. What is this movement all about? Well, Women's Fighting for America started about to expose, educate, activate, and mobilize so we can take back this nation that we love. Yes. And you started, right? You started during uh, the presidential campaign in, in 2020. And tell me where you're going. I, I believe you're in California now. I saw you in Texas last week. You know, give me a picture of what this looks like, right? And a rally in Laredo just over the weekend. Yeah, the rally was super successful. It was a, the ending of a three-week tour along the border. We're yeah. in California right now. And we're exposing a new story that's coming out we have learned that they are housing a bunch of the illegals the children in the convention center and they're taking teachers busting them in to teach these children live in person while the schools are closed down and the teachers won't teach our children in person and you're talking about San Diego, California? That's correct. Okay. Yeah, that is definitely out there today. They've been out of school for over a year now, so certainly a lot of controversy around that. You know, one of the things, Christy, we're both covering the border, and the thing that stood out to me most from this trip over previous ones I have taken is that the media has really been cut off. We were not able to get Border Patrol assistance despite numerous attempts, even before the trip, to be able to talk to them, to get them to take us down to the river and actually see what's happening. Why do you think we're not being allowed to work with Border Patrol anymore? And do you think that it's working to keep the media away? I don't think it's working to keep the media away. However, I've been privileged enough to not only be with the sheriffs on these border towns who have personally taken me to the river, to the borders, to show me what's really going on. The Border Patrol will talk to you off camera, but they have orders to stand down. Yeah, I've heard the same thing as well. Yeah, so, you know, your movement as it continues, where are you going next? And, and, and tell me about the response that you're getting from, from the people that you're targeting, the women. You know, every single day, 
I see messages coming into me. Please don't stop doing what you're doing. We are praying for you. And it's not only individuals from inside the United States, but it's from other countries. They're watching us. What concerns we are, are going to? Pardon Sorry. me. Continue. I was just wondering what concerns you most now uh, over all the things that, that are you're out there uh, talking to the communities about. What are you most worried about at this point? Well, the narrative that this the left is telling the the world that this isn't a crisis, that this isn't a problem, is false. We have sex trafficking. We have human smuggling. We have rape trees. We have exploitation of children. The list goes on and on. The drug cartels, make no mistake, they run the border town. You don't get across the border without paying the drug cartels. Right. Several thousand dollars a piece in most cases. Right. Um, You know, as as we get through this, uh, one of the big questions is the pandemic is still raging. There was a lot of talk at the border about what happens Mm -hmm. when people test positive for COVID. So we know um, because they've told us that many of them are being taken to local hotels. What have you found out about whether they're leaving for other communities uh, and and how soon after they test positive for COVID? Well, regardless whether they test positive for COVID or not, there is not enough manpower to monitor them. For example, there's a roadway in hotel in Texas where it's filled up with illegals. They are the ones who tested positive. There's nobody there to keep them in the room. They have free reign. They're being bussed in by the droves to other towns and cities and let go. We have a major problem on our hands. Where do you see this going? Um, There does not seem to be any talk uh, from the Biden administration of not that I've heard that that anything is going to change anytime soon. So if you've got 100,000, which my understanding is in the Rio Grande Valley, came over in February, that's only the Rio Grande Valley. And it is 24 Mm -hmm. hours a day, seven days a week. What Mm -hmm. happens from here if nothing is done to stem the flow? We are gonna have a national emergency on our hands. They do not care. The administration does not care. This is purposeful. If they wanted to protect the American people, the borders would be secure. This would not be going on. Why do you think it it continues? Why do you think nothing is being done? Why why not just put some? And it's about 22, it's about votes. Um, You know, no, there's no question. There are conservative women like yourself who feel um, a little overwhelmed by this. I can see you're out there trying to turn back the tide, but there are those who feel like there is no turning back. A Democratic president, a Democratic Congress, there's no desire for bipartisanship, seemingly, and a lot of executive orders. You know, what is your message to women quickly uh, who do not agree with liberal policies at this point? What can people do? We need to band together like never before. We're not going to have the government save us. It's going to take we the people to rise up, locking arms in unity, one voice, one light, one truth. 
we're going to be doing a We the People tour, and we need everybody to go get involved, volunteer, roll up your sleeves. We're going to teach you that it, how to how to activate in your community. Yeah. All right, Christy Hutcherson, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Keep us posted on your travels. Have a great day. And we'll be right back. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. All right, some more numbers for you. The Biden administration projecting the number of unaccompanied children crossing the border could spiral from more than 16,000 this month up to 26,000 next month. That is according to documents leaked to Axios. To put that in perspective, the record was about 11,500. This trend expected to continue for months, by the way. Meanwhile, concern about the overall number continues. Let's bring in today's poll of the day. The Water Cooler Poll of the Day. <laughs> All right, a new Rasmussen poll saying that 44% of those who enter illegally should be arrested and deported. 13% think they should be released pending a court hearing. 25% think they should be released and given a path to lawful residency or citizenship, and 8% want them held pending court dates, and only 10% are not sure what should happen at all. Let's bring back Joe Weber, senior writer here at Just the News. Joe, what do you make of those numbers? Well, I'll tell you what's interesting to me. Uh, You can understand why 44% might want them arrested and deported, and the other 8% want them detained. But the 25% that uh, says they should be released and into the public uh, to provide a path to citizenship or at least residence, um, I find that probably the most interesting number. Um, we, everybody wants a fair, humane uh, immigration system. And here in the United States, when someone gets arrested, uh, if you don't commit a serious crime, there's the bail system, or you just get released on your own recognizance, you go into the community because you have a job, you have a family. It's really no point in you trying to be on the run because you can't earn a living and stuff like that. Uh, but to send someone who has not more to the community at all into the country, um, it seems a little difficult or just surprising that folks would be just oh, kind of 25 percent of the 1,200 people registered voters that Scott or Scott Rasmussen, our exclusive pollster, uh, found that they'd be OK with that. Yeah. All right, Joe, appreciate the analysis. But quickly, do you think that uh, the numbers will shoot up for the people who you know want them sent home as this crisis goes on quickly? I think what you're going to find out is that we find more and more people who are uh, infected with COVID, more and more people getting arrested, who had uh, criminal records elsewhere, that the the polls numbers will change. Yes, I do really. I think that's going to see the trend. That's going to be the trend you'll see. All right, Joe Weber, senior writer again here at Just the News. We always appreciate your time and your analysis. We will be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Water Cooler. It is the end of the show, almost. And joining me now is Anna Prez for Real America's Voice Correspondent. Wow, something in the news that is catching a ton of attention. Migrant children in San Diego who are just flying in to the city are getting in-person instruction, some of them. Mm-hmm. from teachers volunteering to help them uh, as they come into the city. What is this all about? That's right. So right now, San Diego teachers have the option to volunteer teaching migrant children who, as you said, have just flown over to San Diego to receive this education. And I think the interesting part here is that in San Diego right now, students are not allowed in schools for in-person learning. So the concern here is, you know, from a lot of the parents and even the superintendent has spoken out against this, even for people who agree with helping, you know, migrant children, it's they're saying, well, this is a great program, but you know, what about our kids? They are not able to receive in-person education. And, you know, the argument there is, well, if this is truly about COVID safety, why is it any safer to teach migrant children? That's an interesting question. Definitely. Do you know, you know, I would imagine a lot of parents are pretty upset if, if their kids have been home all this time, because are there even any plans to bring them back to school at this point? I've heard maybe some hybrid education. Yeah, that's likely going to be the next step. I don't see it being an actually in-person at in-person learning full-time as the next step. I think they're definitely going to bring it in hybrid style. But I think right now, yeah, a lot of backlash we're seeing from parents who, you know, reasonably are saying, you know, this is not really fair to be spending resources even on migrant children who, you know, they're not even American citizens. We're, we seem to be treating them better than our own citizens, you know, and, and that seems to be a trend right now under the Biden administration, under a lot of these far-left policies in states like California and New York, where, or Texas, I mean, where these policies are actually benefiting illegal immigrants over American citizens. All right, quickly, have any of these teachers volunteered to help maybe tutor some of the kids who are actually residents of that community? Well, I, we have yet to hear on what the, the teachers will do in response to this as far as with the actual citizen children. But we do know that they have a few have stepped up in wanting to help the migrant children. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of response they get or if there's going to be any backlash and any teachers who do step up and say, no, I also want to help the American citizen children. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to hear what the next step is for that. Certainly not the last we have heard of this. Right. Anna Perez, thank you for joining us this afternoon. And thank, thank you, thank you. you are so welcome. And thank you so much for joining us. We will see you back here tomorrow on the show tomorrow. Governor Brian Kemp of Georgia, by the way, we'll see you then. Ken Cuccinelli will be with us.